It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, we're going to talk and visit and just have a really good time. I have a friend who loves the Lord. Well, I have many friends that love the Lord. It's kind of birds of a feather flock together, I guess. That's the old saying. But Jerry Sheridan has a smile on his face, and he loves the Lord, and he loves to tell people about Jesus, except he's a businessman as well. And, uh, and during his adult life, I, he was doing a lot of things in good business and all of that sort of thing. But who he really is in his heart is a Bible-believing Christian and a man that loves the Lord. So Jerry, Jerry is here in the studio, and we're going to talk to him a little bit because he has a guest then. Uh, Dr. Anthony Allen, the president of Hannibal LaGrange University. That's Hannibal, Missouri, I guess it is, isn't it? Hannibal, Missouri. Hannibal, Missouri. You see, that's that's Mark Twain country. That's yes. <laughs> that's Mark Twain country. That's uh, that's uh, Tom Sawyer and and um, and Becky Thatcher and who was the boy? Who was the buddy? Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry right. Finn. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to find out about that because there's a lot more to Hannibal. Than, uh, than just that story. But Jerry, thank you. Thank you for being yourself. Uh, I, wanna, I want you to tell the folks a little bit now about your own testimony. How did you get so excited about being a Christian? I was born and raised in a, in a uh, Christian home with a happy mother and a hardworking dad. And it was very important that we were in church and Sunday school. And uh, it, it, was, it was part of our uh, daily walk. And we learned about the Lord at a small age. I really believe that uh, the Lord came into my life uh, at a small age, but I gave my life publicly when I was nine years old. When you were nine years old? Yes, I did. You waited that long? Well— But you know what? You started this out by telling me you had a happy mom and a hardworking dad. Yes. Uh, Was your dad also a good-natured fellow? I mean, was he a good dad? you got to have a dad and a mom. That's the ideal. That's God's way. Well, my dad was a guy of principle, uh-huh. and he was very big on truth. He was very big on hard work. He was very big on being a happy guy and, and being on time, and uh, he taught us a lot of principles almost every day. I, I th- remember something Dad has taught us, and Dad's been gone for quite a while, but his teaching has lasted, which was also fortified by my mother— who taught us after Dad taught us, and uh, they were a parent that were together, and they were wanting their son uh, to grow up to be a normal kid but a smart kid, and uh, and they loved Jesus, and and if they loved Jesus, I knew I was going to love Jesus because <laughs> it, it it made a difference in their life. And today, yeah. uh, I've often said that you know the Holy Spirit is my very best friend, and people say, well, why isn't Jesus your very best friend. I said, well, Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then I said, well, they say, well, why isn't God your best friend? I said, God is my friend. He is the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the Trinity we're the talking Trinity. about. Yes. The Trinity we're talking about. The that's Father, right. Son, Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. Correct. It's all in the Bible, isn't it? Yes, but that Holy Spirit lives with me, inside of me, every day. All right, now, we don't have television here, you see, so the listeners can't see what I see, but you're not a young man anymore. How old are you? I'm 81 two days ago. You're 81 
two days ago. I think they made a mistake on my birth certificate. I think I'm really 57. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what now. The point I want to make right now, 81, uh, and you started out as a boy in a home, and uh, you had a mom, and she loved you and loved the Lord. And she planted the seeds deep in your heart mm-hmm. so that when you were nine years old, you know, that's amazing. You accepted the Lord as your personal Savior. Uh, that was a personal decision, wasn't it? Yes. On your heart and your mind uh, when you were nine years old. And then your father was highly unprincipled, and he was, uh, he wanted, imagine, just listening to you talk, he wanted things done right. Correct. There was the right way, the wrong way, and Dad's way. And Dad's way. And Dad's way was always the right way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you see, this is important, folks. The reason I lay on this, so uh, this is what children need. Well, Dad, you uh, know, Dad lived to be 98 years old. Yeah. He, we had the joy of having him in our home for 10 years. And he was a joy to have, and I would do it a thousand times over. And Dad today still speaks to me through the wisdom that he's left me in my knowledge of how to run a business, how to deal with people, how to treat people, and then how to live the Christian walk daily. And he he was always a guy who said, you know, if your word wasn't any good, you know, your name has no value. And he says, take Jesus. If Jesus' word wasn't any good, it would have no value. Yeah. And, uh, Dad was a guy of truth, and we told we had to learn sometimes the hard way to tell the truth. Yeah, but uh, even uh, because because there's always that temptation. Correct. There's always that temptation to fudge it. There's always that temptation to duck it. Mm-hmm. There's always that temptation to to skedaddle around it. And there's no one that knows that by the very nature. Then a child does not want to own up, and this is what parents are for: is to teach them in love. And by example, how to live an adult life. You know, uh, we had Dad with the principles. Mom was the lady who taught us how to read the Bible. And we had our Bible reading that we had to do every day before we went to school. And uh, we go back to the Scripture, Thy word have I hid in my heart Uh, that I'm not sinned against thee. Not not, not carried under your arm. That's right. (laughs) And uh, we were a Bible principle person. And when we talk about our business, we call, we tell them that we are a faith-based organization. Yeah. Now you lived in um, in Buffalo, New York, I think, for a while, and you yes. were involved in what uh, sporting goods, equipment, things like that. For I many was years. in golf industry for forty-three years, and then the last twenty-one, we're in the custard business, and uh, the custard business brought us a lot of joy because uh, we make people happy in an unhappy world with custard. Yeah. And uh, But we get to share our witness, and our people know that we believe in the Lord, that we practice business, Christian business principles. We're not ashamed of that. And uh, we get to share the joy of the Lord. And I think about my strength. The joy of the Lord every day is my strength. Yeah. Well, I want to say before we turn to our primary guest here, that uh, those in the Kansas City area, now in other areas listening, why you, you, this won't mean as much, but in the Kansas City area, it's Sheridan Custard. Is it Sheridan Frozen Custard, isn't it? Sheridan's Frozen Custard, yes. Yeah, S-H-E-R-I-D-A-N. Correct. Sheridan's Frozen Custard. And you also do uh, um, um, prefer banquets and things like that? Weddings, banquets, corporate servings. 
uh, employee appreciations, uh, company appreciations to their employees, and uh, picnics. All right. Now, let me ask you this, though, because no one can be around Jerry Sheridan more than two or three or four minutes, and he's going to be telling you about Hannibal LaGrange University. You love that school. And... Uh, and, and and that's the truth. I even make humor sometimes about it. I say, well, don't get around Jerry Sheridan. He'll be telling you about Hannibal LaGrange. <laughs> but it's a wonderful place, isn't it? Well, uh, God has his hand on that piece of property. That's there, the university. At the university. And five years ago, we needed a president. And uh, due to the help of our pastor then at Lenexa, uh, I asked him, I need you to pray for me about our new president. He says, I got who it should be. It should be Dr. Anthony Allen, and Dr. Allen was a member of our church. I knew him, and uh, so f- the last five years have been a year time of of uh, really excitement at our school. We've seen many things happen, and many many things are going on. We have a strong spiritual base, and we have a strong educational base. Mm-hmm. And kids that come there, I tell them if you're the fathers, if they're worried about their daughters, they're going to be safe at our school. <laughs> but uh, Anthony is a bundle of joy. He's fun to be around, but he's very smart, but he loves people, and he loves these kids. And he's his own family with five children and a sweet wife. You can tell that his whole heart yeah. is committed, first of all, to the Lord and then to the school. Well, by, by way of an unusual introduction, then let's turn to Dr. Anthony Allen, um, t- tell us just a little bit now, as the president of Hannibal LaGrange University, what is it that is your deepest desire that every one of the students take with them uh, as they work through that process at the, at the college? I guess that's because, man alive, I'm seeing young people today, they go off to college and they lose their faith. They go off to college and they start getting into mischief or things that they ought not to. All of a sudden, you got a youngster coming out of high school, for goodness sakes, and then it's just like throwing him in an ocean. And uh, when when a young person comes to Hannibal Lagrange University, what should they? What should the parents? What should the students expect by being enrolled? Well, first of all, let me say, um, Mr. Sheridan's already um, shared with us the importance of growing up in a home where your mom and dad teach and educate the children. That's the primary responsibility of moms and dad is to bring their children up to the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then at the university, our job is to uh, continue to build upon that foundation, which we hope has been laid in the home. And so we make it our aim to help them uh, understand what it means to be a Christian, which fortunately we have the opportunity to see a number of our students come to Christ while they're there at Hannibal LaGrange and then help see them be discipled, help them uh, learn more about their faith. Right, now you say disciple to give, mm-hmm. give us that definition of that term. Well, uh, to be a follower of Christ, to understand how being a Christian is not just something you do on Sunday uh, or not something you just do necessarily in a religious setting, but uh, Christ is Lord over every every, every area of our life, including uh, not only our private and our personal life, our marriages, our relationships, but also our vocation, uh, which is a Reformation idea that all of us have a calling. All of us have gifts and talents that God has given us to use uh, to advance his kingdom in the world. And helping students uh, find that calling and, and understand uh, God's giftedness in their life and then seeing them go into careers where they can use the gifts and talents that God has given them for his glory 
and also see how that is a part of the kingdom of God at work in the world. Do you find that when a person comes and enrolls at Hannibal LaGrange University, sometimes you can discover as it goes along that they find themselves and they find the purpose in their life that maybe it was not completely clear when they enrolled. Mm -hmm. I think that happens all the time. We have students who come to the university. They're not really sure about what they, they want to do with their life. They maybe love God, and uh, but have never really explored vocationally what God wants to do in their life. And so we try to help them discover God's purpose for their life. We have a number of ways that we do that in terms of uh, mentoring and education and classes that they help them explore, you know, what is it they're really gifted in, and how do they use those gifts in a vocation where they can uh, go to work. I tell them all the time, you know, I want them to find a vocation where they can be excited about going to work every day uh, because they're, they're doing uh, what they're most gifted for, they're doing what God created them for, and they're finding great joy in doing that every day. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I, this is really one of my favorite subjects, you know, how to, how to take that youngster and help them and grow them. Um, it came to me, I want to ask, I want to ask both of you, this, it came to me several months ago that there were five basic questions that come to the person and they must be answered in order to have happiness in a person's life. First of all, who am I? Who am I? Because someone can say, oh, this is your name. Your name is Anthony. Well, how do you really know that? Someone just told it to you. So who am I? Who am I beyond that? Whatever someone told you, who am I? A person has to look deep in their heart to kind of discover who am I. The other thing is, from where have I come? Mm. Kind of, God determines that, doesn't he? Sure. God determined exactly who would be your mother, who would be your father. And he has a plan in a person's life. So from where did I come? That's an important course of study, isn't it? Yes. Who am I? From where did I come? And then the third one, what is my purpose? How many adult people do we see running around? And they've never really discovered a purpose for their life, a purpose for their living. Because that gets into vocation, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned your daughter's going to be an architect. What a wonderful yes. thing. You see... But, but her purpose goes beyond that as well. Somebody else is going to be an airline pilot or someone else is going to, to run a business like Jerry Sheridan here. But the purpose for living goes beyond that. So who am I? And then from where have I come in and what is my purpose? And then how can I fulfill it? I suppose that's a course of study at Hannibal LaGrange, isn't it? Finding out how to fulfill that purpose. Sure. And then the fifth question, where am I going? Isn't that wonderful? Yes. That is the cycle of life. Yeah. Where am I going? Yeah, that's a fundamental question we try to challenge students with when they come to the university, which is helps them shape a worldview that understands the world and the reality that we have in the world from a biblical perspective. And the, the, the first question that I would say that a lot of our students come from, asked the question is, uh, where do I come from? What are the origins of life? Uh, is there a God? Uh, did he create me? Then what is my purpose for life? How do I find fulfillment in that? What's God's plan for my life? And then, you know, what's going to happen to me when I die? Yeah. Uh, those are fundamental worldview questions that we challenge students to think deeply about because, you know, how you answer those questions um, um, greatly impact the trajectory of your life. Well, at that time in a, in a, that time in a young person's life, they're on the launching pad. Mm-hmm. They're going to make a lot of pivotal decisions, aren't they? Sure. Right there. 
and it's going to be de- determinative of the rest of their life mm-hmm. and the generations to come. Sure. Isn't, that, isn't that profound? Yeah. So you would want to have that, that person, that young person, in an institution of learning where they could discover everything. Now, I noticed in your website, you say, unapologetically Christian. I love that. Let's get it straight. Unapologetically Christian, but also... It mentioned academic excellence. Mm-hmm. Isn't that nice? Preparation, academic excellence. Take it seriously. Um, that's what Jerry was talking about that his father wanted for him, you see. And that's important, I guess. Is it possible? I think it is. Sometimes a school can forget academic excellence is one of the things they forget to to pour into that young person's life. Certainly. And, you know, we believe fundamentally as a Christian, everything that we do must be done as unto the Lord and must be done with excellence, including not only giving them that foundational worldview and helping them make some of the greatest decisions they'll make in their entire life, which some have referred to it as the master, the mate, and mission. What's going to be my mission and purpose in life? Who's going to be my master and who's going to be my mate? And a lot of our students answer those three questions while they're at the university, which is so uh, very, very important, and, and again, it affects the trajectory of their life and really gets them off on a good start. How, Looking back, how do you feel that God prepared you to be the president of this university? Well, that's a good question. You know, I've had a, um, a very um, long academic career. I graduated my doctoral program when I was 43, but I, I think the one of the most important— You were, you were a slow learner. <laughs> I was a slow learner, but uh, very diligent. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I believe you have to be a lifelong learner. And the thing that I look back in my life that I think really impacted me more than anything like uh, Mr. Sheridan shared is that, um, you know, I came to know Christ at an early age with uh, in a home where my mom and dad honored God, loved God, and shared the gospel with us as children. I can remember how excited I was when I got my first pictorial Bible. And I began to learn the things of God. And, um, you know, from that, God did some amazing things when I was a, a teenager you know, I really began to be discipled in the Word, grow in my, my understanding and knowledge. And there was a point when I was a teenager that reading the Bible, I understood that God had a, a plan and a purpose for my life and a trajectory for my life. And if I would honor Him and obey Him, He would He would bless me and He would uh, reveal Himself to me. And um, that was just an amazing time in my life. And then, of course, when I got to college, um, I felt called to ministry. I began preaching in a rescue mission in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I went to seminary, pastored a church, and uh, worked in administration for uh, a number of years. And then I came to a kind of a crossroad in my life where I had to determine kind of where I was going to focus my energies. And at that time, I really felt like the Lord was saying it's in educational administration. And uh, deep down in my heart, I always wanted to be a president of a Christian university, partly because when I did my undergraduate work, uh, you know, it did not encourage my faith. In fact, I had a New Testament professor who told me uh, Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead. I had a philosophy professor tell me God was dead, and I, uh, then uh, I had a psychology professor that told me the only reason I opposed homosexuality is because I, I myself was a homosexual. And this person <laughs> was a teacher. A teacher. See, I want to make that point, folks. You're sending your young people to an institution where the teachers are so confused themselves that they are trying to replicate confusion rather than understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a postmodern world, you know, the whole question of truth seems to be up to debate, uh, for debate for with a lot of people. And, of course, at the university, 
Uh, we have a, a, a fundamental commitment to the Word of God and the truth of God, and uh, we want to explore all avenues of knowledge, but when, at the end of the day, we're going to maintain and uphold what we believe to be Christian biblical faith and, and give a defense for our faith. From what Jerry Sheridan has told me at Hannibal LaGrange University in Hannibal, Missouri, there is a good, serious discussion and examination, not just saying this is the way it is and you have to believe it because I say so, Certainly. but an absolute examination uh, as to what we believe and why we believe it and why God's Word is faithful and true. Sure. That's so important. If a young person doesn't get that at that age, it sets them out for many years then, a sure. wonderment. And sometimes there's a lot of destruction that can, a lot of destructive uh, decisions they've made, that's for sure, that sure. takes place along the way. So it's good to have a good start. It's good to have a good start. Tell us just a little bit about where your student body is coming from. I understand it's coming from all over. Sure. We have uh, students from uh, 26 different states here in the U.S. and uh, students from 29 different countries around the world. So uh, even though we're located in the Midwest, we have a variety of, of uh, students from all around the world, which makes for a great uh, student atmosphere on our campus. Uh, we have a heart and a passion uh, to teach our kids about missions and about reaching the world for Christ, and it starts by getting to know those students there on our now, campus. How many countries of the world does your student body reflect, did uh, you say? 29. That means 29 different cultures, 29 different experiences, life experiences. That would give a great resource for the whole student body to examine that and find out then what is the common denominator. Because when, when it all is said and done, it is the human heart longing to be reconciled with the Creator. And it really is one blood, one race, isn't it? Mm -hmm. One nation. Did you ever hear Ken Ham lecture on that? Yes, I have, actually. Yes, it's important for our students to know. Um, uh, and, and having that uh, diverse multicultural experience there on our campus, uh, there's one little story that is so encouraging. We had a student come from Japan, had heard about Hannibal LaGrange. He came as a student. He uh, subsequently came to know Christ. Uh, he's now growing in his faith and doing really well. Uh, but I spoke to him the other day, and he shared with me he's the only Christian in his family. And uh, he's getting ready yet, to go. Yet. you got to put a comma at the end of every sentence like that. It's yes. a comma. Yet. Yet. Yet, because you pray. Yes. You pray, and then you're a witness. Yeah. And we talked to him about the importance of uh, sharing his faith. And when he returns to Japan, hopefully the Lord will use that to uh, help him reach his family with the gospel. Well, God bless you. How can a person learn more about it? Give us your website and things that people would want to know. I just have the feeling there's people listening right now, grandparents, parents, young people themselves are saying, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I know that this isn't the be-all, end-all where I am now, but I want to find the purpose for my life and then be really good at it. Sure. So how could they look into this? Yes, if you'd like to have some more information, you can go to our website, www hlg.edu and from there you'll be explore, able to explore a number of web pages that'll share more about the university, our mission, our vision, our curriculum and degree programs. We have quite a selection. And the enrollment is what? We have about 1,200 students. That's 1,200 students. Uh, 
you don't need thirty or forty thousand students, do you? That's that's a good way to get lost in an ocean. That's a good way to get lost in a sea. But uh, here you have this uh, one thousand two hundred students, and I think your teacher-student ratio is excellent, so that the students can feel that my professors really care. They really know me. They know who I am. And I can put confidence in them. Isn't that a wonderful thing for a person to feel about somebody that you're trusting to impart knowledge? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things students always say about their experience of Hannibal LaGrange is that uh, uh, it's a caring community of scholars that love Jesus and love the students. And that, that's really what they take away when they leave Hannibal LaGrange. Yeah. Uh, Ken, I'm just looking here in the studio in the control room. Do we have Do we have that song "Trust and Obey"? For there's no other way to be. I don't know. Maybe he can find that. Maybe he won't be able to find it. But that's what was running through my mind when I was thinking. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Uh, but when you go to college, there's so much that you want to learn. It's kind of a finishing school, isn't it? Sure. Because kids come through grade school. They come through middle school. We used to call that junior high. Now they call it middle school and then high school. And that is just when a youngster feels, wow, I'm going to graduate. But it really is a beginning point, isn't it, for them? Yes. Because so many times then they're going to leave home. They're going to leave home. No longer are the feet going to sit under dad's table in a family setting as it did. And then they're going to go out and find themselves. And I'll tell you, folks, where your youngsters go to college or university is so important because the people they encounter and the student body that they mix with and the whole atmosphere that is a part of who they quickly become, I tell you what, it does tend to it does tend to start crystallizing pretty fast, doesn't it? Sure. One of the things we like to say about students when they come to college is that the uh, cement is still wet, and uh, it hasn't quite formed, and we have the wonderful opportunity to come alongside them to reinforce what their moms and dads have tried to teach them and train them. And... Or maybe what their moms and dads never mentioned, yeah. and what their moms and dads maybe even lived contrary, but they're looking for truth. Sure. They're looking for truth, and the only place they can find it is somebody who can share that with them. Yes, yes. We have a reasonable faith, and we have a great, a rich Christian tradition uh, of education. Of course, here in America, almost all without exception of our higher institutions of learning were founded by Christian denominations. So we have a great uh, religious history here in America. Um, Hannibal Grange was founded in 1858. So we've been at this a long time, and just thank the Lord for the opportunity we have. I don't think we, we mentioned it's a Southern Baptist school, I yes. think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Southern Baptist school. But 1858, my word, think think of what think of what life was at that time, and then the institution, uh, the university has grown through that, and the Word of God was has continued to be and always will be the guidebook for life, isn't it? That's exactly right. How many courses of study do you offer? On the undergraduate level, we have about 34 undergraduate majors, and then we have about half a dozen of graduate-level programs at the university. Some of those are traditional, uh, and then some of them are online. So all that will be on our website at www.hlg.edu. All right, HLG, Hannibal LaGrange University. Correct. 
dot edu. That's education, I yes, guess. Yes, education. All right, you see, we've got that. Well, Jerry Sheridan, I want to thank you for bringing this gentleman by so we could visit with him. Well, he's, he's a joy to us. One thing I'd like to add about our student body, they are loved by the professors and by the leadership there. They're tutored and they're uh, loved every day. Our professors know where these young people are. And if they miss class, they check up on them to see if they're ill, they need help, and they they are truly looked after. And so if, if a parent's looking for a school that not only will educate their child, but will look after them and love them, yeah. HLG. Tell you what, and when Jerry Sheridan says it, that really means something because he loves the Lord and he is a person of excellence. All right, well, this is Dick Bott with this chapter of The Complete Story as a public service, and I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.